so how do you want to do this? I think we should start with positives from the first two games first and then go into the negatives. I think well, you know what I mean, gonna... I think we... I'm going to start it with I found the NHL 12 soundtrack playlist on Spotify. So, really? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Oh, um, wow. So. How wide is it? On a scale of... Uh, at a scale of... Um, um, uh, it th- is, this is America to Vanilla Ice. It is thir- a 38-year-old white male from 1997 who, like the band Live, will I really like, like this playlist. Live is good. It's, like oh, live. it's great. I mean, like, it's it's very... White. It's very early PlayStation's video game soundtrack. You know oh, well, what I mean? Oh, that's not that bad. No, I mean, that's it's, also, it's just very... Hockey very narrow it's not for everybody and it's definitely more nostalgic than if do you like 90s rock did you want oh of i love it album? like did like you think of once buying Stone an album by bush is great like yes i have fantastic. that i have that i have that stuff on my that's iPod. my perfect hockey warm-up music right there that album just put it on <laughs> for the 20 minutes before the game playing everything zen on repeat until until your brain explodes basically yeah Oh, okay. Well, I'm not. I don't. I don't care too much about that. Like that. That's NHL 12. I wonder what the NHL 18, 19 soundtracks. 19 now. I wonder what it sounds like. I don't uh, know. Mumble sounds... rap. Mumble rap. Not know. not just mumble rap. It's, I, I don't it's know probably Fallout Boy, Panic at oh. the Disco. Two of the most overrated, terrible bands. I heard someone on the subway say that Fallout Boy saved rock and roll once. <laughs> what? What did they save? I, 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 that's the first thing that popped up in my head. I was just like, you know, I'm just you know, I have family members to going tonight to a Maroon 5 concert. A Maroon? I would rather go to a Maroon 5 concert than like a Panic at the Disco or Fall or Fall. I'll Out reverse concert. that. I'll reverse that. I, I, I'm not a Panic at the Disco fan or a Fall Out Boy fan, but Maroon 5 is barely music anymore. It's just, I think Adam, I think Adam Levine is Adam Levine is the, good to look at, so I'll go for him. And I, I like their first album. There's something about Jane. I mean, I think people who know, you know me in my childhood that... know that I bought you... at least two copies of that physically. And uh, I listen to it all the time. Sunday morning. That album was. Sunday That's a morning. billion years ago. They don't make any good music now. Uh, the thing is, I'm But if they play now... one song off that album, it'd be worth the ticket. If, well, my, they're not going, they're not paying any money. They're going for free. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I will say this. I will say this. Uh, I worry that anim- that Adam Levine is now and is like a Chuck E. Cheese animatronic. He just comes in, plays songs, and goes home with no emotion well, or anything. I mean, I think at, once you reach a certain, I don't know if it's a certain level of fame, power, or money, I think you just Saturation. stop growing. You just stop, like you just like you just become an automated, repetitive what you are at that moment. Because For the rest it's of just maybe, maybe it's that's the true. money maker. It's the golden goose. So many people rely on you. Blah blah blah. Get in, play the hits, get out. Maybe that's true. That could be true. But anyway, I, I don't know. Oh, we also have to talk about gritty because gritty happened oh, while we yeah we need to fantastic. talk fantastic. About... Did you we... see the head? I think he's the owner or the head brewer or, or at Evil Genius Brewery. Got a gritty tattoo with the name gritty under it in cocaine. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fantastic. That... He, he was like a fever dream when he showed up. It was exactly I, I what Philadelphia needed with the Eagles going off to a bad start, Philadelphia Phillies 
just bombing after the All Star break. Well, that's not a bad thing, right? No, but things. like you know, it was things. it was it was completely needed when see, like, like you know, see here's the thing, gritty struck a lot of tension. Philly, and... Well, I'm going to compare it to the to the Union's new mascot, which I only I only care about the Union uh, anyway. I've I've wor- done some work with the Union before, so they they created a mascot called Fang. You have to look it up. It's some dinosaur snake thing. Fang's great. It's he's weird. He's weird. But did you ever think that somebody who looked like Harry Knowles from He-Man and the Masters of the Universe would actually be the NHL's most popular mascot? Because that's what he looks. If he came from Philadelphia and if he acted like a Philadelphia fan, yes, and he does both of those things. He kind of does. Well, he's kind of like the Philly Fanatics' orange bastardized cousin, and everyone loves the Philly Fanatics. Well, he's the Philly Fanatic on three beers. It kind of seems like that, and it makes sense for the Flyers. I was like, when I first at thought the was, barbecue the playing team. with his nephews. I mean, that's that's what the frenet, that's what Gritty is. He's he says the he uncle says, on three beers right before the wiffle ball game, playing with the nephews. And he calls and he calls Angelo Cataldi all the time, asking about why the Eagles can't throw the ball with Carson Wentz. <laughs> he his and, first and he uses, night he, and he, uses he John tweeted every at other the season. Penguins mascot to sleep with one eye open bird. Oh, that's fantastic. Like, you know, like, it's just that type of stuff. You know what's like, weird? He the was, Flyers was are likable That's really not well. good. I don't like that. I don't like that the Flyers are likable. Well, don't worry. Dave Hackstall has a plan. Uh, I, I watched a little bit of the game on Tuesday. Andy McDonald is playing at 75%, and it is atrocious. Well, is it is it any worse than Matheson and Pesic looked last night? Yes. Yes. Okay, just check. Just because just. Matheson and Pesic, they have moments where it's like, oh yeah, they're NHL defensemen. <laughs> That's well, right. They, that, there is talent surpri- there. Right, am I surprised that Jacob McDonald's been the best looking Panthers defenseman for the first two games? Uh, okay, after second. after he's been the best Panthers defenseman for the past two weeks, it stopped being surprising. But okay. I mean, the fact that yes, it's it's what two games into the season. And he's still the Panthers' best defenseman. Well, I he's, think Ekblad played better last night. He was the only goal scorer for a game. Well, that was Andre Vasilevsky. <laughs> Vasilevsky was crazy good in that. That first. was competent NHL goaltending, the likes of which you won't see for two to four weeks in Florida. The likes of which that you haven't seen around the NHL yet this year. Nobody's had any competent goaltending yet. It's kind of funny. Well, I mean, I always like to say, well, there's goalies who are just bad and then there's go- veteran goalies who take a while to get into it uh luongo's so, so, usually like this um so where does cam ward fall in because i've watched a couple of he's just bad. Yeah, i just watched a couple of those blackhawks games yeah i um, think cam ward and james reimer fall into the just bad uh yes well i think we could get into the the, the two games we'll start with positives because yeah. i think like i think let's start you with the what? disclaimer that both of us are happy with how things have shaken out because the only things I complain about are the things I knew going into the season were going to be an issue. So yeah, there's the nothing new stuff. in terms of problems. There's nothing new in terms of problems. I, right. I think for me, the biggest takeaway, I'll say this before we start, did you notice how in the first two games the Panthers had a period where they decided that, you know what, the other team's not going to do anything? And then they did it. Right. Like, and for the first two games, they I've never seen the Panthers. They fluked their way to periods like that before. But they had in two consecutive games against not bad hockey teams, a period where they just said, you're not going to do anything. And then the other team didn't do anything. Like, I've never seen the Panthers do that before. So and it comes, it always comes either in the second or third period. So it always well, comes first, after. Well, it was the first game. It was the first period where they completely dominated, and then and then they had a not great. Right, that was period. one of the first good starts in a long time. 
Yeah, and then the second and then the second period against the Blue Jackets, I watched the bits and pieces of the game because I was calling a game last night, so I was tracking what was going on. And I was looking at all the like the the track or what, and I looked at natural stat trick, and then the line went do 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 do. Yeah, spiked up, and I was like, Jesus. And it's not that you know they switch lines, they change their strategy, they um, run a different four check or a different power play unit or something like that. It's literally just the execution of the players. So I don't know if it's Bugner saying something, if it's McFarland, if it's Capuano, if it's Barkov, any of the other guys wearing letters, if it's the guy, if it's McKenzie. I don't know who it is or what's happening, but for some reason they can turn it on for 20 minutes whenever they need. Now to. the question is, can they turn it on for 40 or 60? But the fact that they can turn it on for 20 and and destroy any team in the league for 20 minutes and, is a and sign. And let's be honest, it's it's really just Barkov's line and a handful of other pl- At the moment, it's just it Barkov's line. But... And who can dominate a period. And if you could get more guys to do it, that's how you turn it into 60 minutes. Well, I want to. We'll, we'll talk about the second line because it's not quite there yet. I will obviously we'll talk about defense pairings and goaltending, and we'll spend some time on special teams. And I will we'll go through other stuff too because we want to make predictions all this stuff. Let's go. We'll, let's record this. Let's record this. We have the problem of talking about all this stuff. Oh, yeah. this has all been recorded, my friend. We ah, we, come on, we really are we are five minutes into this podcast. Oh, that's terrible. This is going to sound funny. We didn't even do this an intro. Is, it's the best intro. Uh, an intro where there wasn't actually an intro. It's like we're listening to Merrick versus Wyshynski again. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll throw in some NHL 12 soundtrack. Ah! <laughs> They'll fade out. We'll start talking. Oh, that's funny. That'd that's funny. Okay, so let's actually talk about hockey now in more of a formal sense because the Why Hockey Podcast is back after a slight uh, schedule-induced uh, break. There were... 11 forwards on the ice last night in spots that I wanted them to be in. And, and who was the 12th? And it was the Troy Brower. But okay. he, he played passable. And again, it's two games. There are some people on Twitter who said Troy Brower has looked, quote-unquote, really good. And it's pump the fucking brakes. I would, I would dispute. He's been he NHL good. adequate. The fact that you're, you're thinking Troy Brower has looked really good to great is how bad Haley, McKenzie, and even Sevier are at times. And certainly the first two. Certainly the first two. Sevier is still borderline NHL fourth liner. That's how bad the Florida Panthers bottom fans, six last year. Like perspective it has been moved to the right or left or whatever you want to down or up, whatever direction you want to consider it but the, okay we'll go with so down skewed. okay so let's start with positives from the first two games because we we're recording this on friday after best Columbus. forward group they've ever iced in florida history period certainly seems sentence. like it certainly seems like it i don't uh, think that there is a contender i mean i would say dollar for dollar barkov is equal to pavel burry when pavel burry was a panther in terms of no doubt about that and then all everything else around it is way better, and there's never been a better floor. the The team that went to the Stanley Cup would get run over night in and night out by this Florida Panthers team on the worst night. Like it's that much better just with the offense. In the regular season, this offense, like Bob Bugner said, this offense should be able to score four goals every 
every night, every other game, the rest of the season. And I know there's been a ton of goals in the opening of this week, week and a half, but that's just the looseness of the first couple weeks of hockey. When things get settled and teams start you know, playing tighter and the playoff teams really start playing like playoff teams because they don't have to worry about October like the you know, the peasants, like the Panthers, um, yes. <laughs> you know, it's pretty much, it's, it's going to get a lot tighter and they should be able to win a lot of games just on the fact that they're going to have four actual lines once they get healthy and McKenzie's gone. Um, can we talk about that? They, Bugner refuses to give any update to Haley. Haley was not, I don't think was involved in the pregame thing i think they announced everyone but haley or they didn't show haley or something like that i can see that so i i i didn't either but i saw a lot of people talking about it on twitter but whatever they're still and then bugner said he'll answer haley in a couple days i think optimally you are expecting this by the end of this year for both troy brower and colton sevier to be sharing the 12th forward spot or both being the two extra forwards I mean, Yuho Lamico has stepped in and has already proven that he's better than anyone else on that fourth line. This is true. And then I did see somebody saying last night, it was a surprise that the fourth line looks as good as it does where there's, well, not Haley and McKenzie on it. I mean, right. I, I mean, Lamico was probably the most standout forward in the preseason. Now, I watched two games, the only two that were televised, but Lamico definitely looked pretty good. And I was wondering, like, is he actually going to be the fourth-line center? And he ended up being the fourth-line center, and he looked decent last night. And if you're talking about a team that goes into the postseason, if they get there with Barkov, Trocek, McCann, and Lamico as your four centers, I mean, we're not talking best team in the league, but we're talking that's a good enough to win a series. I have a feeling, and I know that I'm going to get some people who don't like this, because I know there's a lot of McCann fans out there, but I have a feeling that McCann might not end up at 3C um, by the end of this year. I, I like him. I think he has a lot of value to this team. I just don't know if it's at the 3C spot, and I don't think that's the best use of the 3C spot, potentially. It, it's possible. We have to watch it. I really, I, really like him. Okay I really like him games. as a 3 left wing or a 4th um, line center, a guy who, um, kind of like Scott Law and other Flyers, can play really good on the fourth line or jump up and be pretty pretty uh, average uh, offensively but good defensively on the third line. He's an important player, and I yep. think he's been okay the first two games. Let's start with, let's start with positives, even though they've lost he, the first two he games. He wins the, the Gabranson trade, I'll tell you that. He does win the Gabranson trade. Boy, oh boy, isn't that funny? Um so let's. That's fine. Steve Weir's uh, signings really, uh, Yandel and Reimer really excelled last night, so. They did really excel last night, but let's talk about some positives first and foremost. I think overall for the first two games, team-wise, they've looked pretty good. There haven't, there have been individual lapses, obviously, but I think the team game, there haven't been make huge structural faults with the team. And when they've needed to respond and have the good shifts and have the dominating shifts, they've done that. The team game's been pretty good, even though they haven't won the first two games. I think that's something that we've seen issues with in the past. There aren't the same sort of structural issues we saw last year, obviously. No, I would system. I would disagree with that. I think their flow is good. They have a good flow, and they have good chemistry playing together, and they're executing the systems. But I think that these aren't really going to be the systems they need to play at, and it's, it's really holding them back more so. I mean, offensively it helps them, but... 
they give up so much defensively uh, because they're waiting until they have the puck to be aggressive. They're very passive without the puck. There, there's so much gaps in the, from the back end of the neutral zone over the blue line, and they talk about wanting to cut down the time they spend in their D zone. And by, and the only thing they talk about, Capuano on the Goldstein podcast talked about this. Bugner has said this is when they get the puck, they want to go right up, no, more north south, right up the boards to the winger and get out of the zone. That's one really easy to read and jump and react to in a game. And two, I think you're waiting too long if you're waiting till after you get the puck. They need to be way more aggressive and stop doing the uh, put everyone back into the home plate area and collapse and then push back out. We it saw a little bit. Much... There were a couple of shifts in the third period where you saw they couldn't get the puck up the boards and out, and they had to try again and again, and it led to a long shift. So that's a problem. But as I said, I think it's first two games, and also the defense has had a bad two games. So well, it's the same defense. I mean, that's it the is thing. the same defense with the play, the, the players issue. are playing fine, and that's why I'm optimistic about the season. But I would say that they're over that their fluidity and them just having good legs and and being ready for games and stuff at the m- moment is kind of covering a lot of um, system flaws that will you know as the season goes on if they don't make changes may potentially start to creep up. Okay, let's go for more positives firstly. Uh, I can't invent positives if they're not there, though. Oh, and that's the, there and, like, there, there were some positives. The positives are they have a really good forward group. The positives are they've only played two games, so there's not much to really harp on. Well, but it's still, a lot of t- it's still a lot of turnovers. It's still terrible goaltending. I mean, James Reimer can't find an angle if it was put in front of him. He had a very bad game yesterday. He had a so, really bad game. And, like, it's it's great that the Barkov line was good. It's okay. great that we the second about... line was They're on getting the ice. there. They're getting there. The, the second line's not there yet. I, we'll talk about, can we talk about Barkov and Dukestad and Dadanoff for a second, just in terms of talking about positives? I don't think their possession's there yet, but in the first two games, when they decided they wanted to take over, they took over. I mean, it didn't lead to goals against Tampa, but they scored three goals against the, uh, the Blue Jackets. And there were a couple of moments where it's like they're toying with the opposition. We've, we've reached a statement in, Port, in Florida Panthers history where the Panthers have a line that has decided that it can toy with whoever it wants. And that's still kind of fun. And that's why they didn't break up that line, because you saw the chemistry instantly from their first couple of shifts against the Lightning. They just came out and said, all right, dear, we're going to do what we did at the end of last season. And against the Blue Jackets, I mean, it was just silly what they were doing to them. It was actually kind of funny to watch, because when they decided... When Barkov led that two-on-one for Dadnoff, you're like, okay, this is going in the back of the net. And then when Barkov scored at the other end, it's like, you know this is going in the back of the net. Like, when's the last time we've ever said that about any Panthers forward group that didn't include Pavel Bure, that they could have a line where it's like, you know it's going in the back of the net after a certain series of things happens? There wasn't. I mean... It's, it's crazy. There's how some good. people who go to 2012 and that, like, Weiss for Stieg line, which I just... Okay, yeah, I mean, like... You wouldn't count on it. You would hope, and sometimes it would happen. But it wasn't like like you would say goal as soon as Barkov crosses the blue line with the puck. Like you saw that with the first goal with Dadnoff when he broke in with a two on one just by driving forward. You're like, okay, this is in the back of the net. It's over. And then the second 
period where a similar thing happened. You were like, it's over. Same thing just happened. It's crazy, that line. I think the second line's not there yet. I think it takes time to develop a little bit of that chemistry. And they're clearly not entirely where they want to be. They don't understand each other in the same way. And it's that that three-person chemistry. I know we talk about lines being made in pairs. And in theory, with Trocek and Huberto having the understanding that they do, it should be better. It's not quite there yet, but I'm not worried about that line. Trocek's had a pretty energetic first couple of games. They set up the first goal. Hoffman's not there yet. I'm not surprised he's not there yet. It's going to take some time. But that line, when it, it gets to where we think it could be... That I mean, line's not going to be the line. I no, it's saying not, it's that. not. Like, it's that not second line's line, but... not, it's just not going to work. And the same, like, the same reason one line, the first line works, and the same reason I was advocating for Bukestad as a first line winger with Barkov for years is because it just works. You could take Dadnov, put him on the second line, put Huberto up there, and that line would be exactly the same, function exactly the same. Huberto and Dadnov are both pass and shoot threats who are just really good playing give and go with Barkov. So you can drop them in and out. Bukestad mm-hmm. on is the third guy on that line. He doesn't need the pucks, but he he doesn't need to be holding the puck. But he can dig pucks out. He can move pucks. He can get in people's way, create space. It's also and huge. Just, so when you get him in that home plate area, he, he just the size kills people. Right. They don't know how to deal with that but in then, front when you have to then, focus on the other two. If you look at the second line, you have Huberto, which, you know, he's the guy who's doing all the defensive work for that line. I mean, last night he saved their bacon a bunch because Hoffman and Trocek were just out to lunch, ripping shots around the uh, around the boards to each other. And Huberto was the guy going getting the pucks back for them, going you know skating from the blue line to the goal line back and forth sometimes, um, and and that works. But then you have Trocek and and Hoffman who on the power play and at five and five have both been fighting each other for the puck at the same time, for the shots in the same positions and things like that. They both want to do the same thing at the same time, and they both need volume. Trocek's a volume guy. I mean, that's why you put up with how many times he makes a stupid shot three seconds into a two-on-one or something right over the blue line that goes high and wide, like Jeff Carter. I mean, like you just deal mm-hmm. with it because he's he needs that volume. You can't have two volume guys on the same line because they won't. There's not enough volume to go around unless it's the first line playing a bunch of minutes. Well, it's not. Well, last night actually, when I look at the lines, uh, this is a five on five. Barkov played what was it, 15 minutes five on five. Trocheck played basically the same amount five on five. Now, right. the, in terms of just pure puck possession, in terms of just pure puck possession, the second line had a better night. But I think that that line is also going to take. A little bit of chemistry to build, and it's eventually it's going to figure itself out. Right, but you're good. They're good enough players that by puck possession, Mike Hoffman and Vincent Trocheck on a two-on-one taking a step over the blue line, ripping a shot high and wide that wraps out as Get a breakaway for the other team. That's a positive puck possession wise. Yeah. So, but that's a negative in reality puck possession wise because you just broke the you, you turned an odd man rush into a breakout for the other team going the other way. This is true, but as I said, I think that line's going to figure it out at some point. And they, I don't, they, that's shown... what I'm saying is I don't think because they don't fit together. You've got to move things around, and that's why I was saying experiment in the preseason. They did not do that, did they? They didn't. They, there was no experimentation. So what did they do today? They dropped Hoffman down to the third line. They moved Malgin up. I actually like that move. I was telling people, calm down. That was a good move by Bugner. 
You took Mike Hoffman, who needs to find his spot. Put him on the third line where he can run the third line, drive the third line, take all the shots at the third line. In practice, maybe in a game, maybe in two games. That's fine. Malgin looked amazing last night. He was really good. He should have looked really twice. good the first two games. I called him an idiot twice because he couldn't lift the puck when he needed to, and could have well, won the game. But you know, it's he's looking really good, and he deserves that promotion. And when players see that Malgin had a good game, moved up. Hoffman's not working. He's going to move down and get a different opportunity. They should be doing that with Yandel. Instead, they 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 changed the power play one unit. Put Yandel back up there. Why are they saying that Yandel's better than five forwards at, at at offense and defense after the way he's been playing? He's just not. I mean, Barkov's better at both of those things. Put him in bar. So it's if Bugner can do what he did with those forward lines today in practice, start moving D pairs around, start moving guys up that should move up or and guys who should move down down just to figure things out. He should have been doing it in the preseason, but if he doesn't now, I think by game 20, the team's going to look really good. The team's going to be very dangerous in all three zones. Without let's, the puck, with the puck. Mm-hmm. Let's start it's by all focusing. There. Personnel's there, and they're playing well. Like Yandel, I think, is playing well. He's just not really being put in a position... And, and is he's making a lot of mistakes. Out of he's making a lot of mistakes. And like he I had a bad Pissick, game. I thought Pissick had like a lot of good little one-on-one moments and little things like that. But in the whole picture of things, I don't think he's put in a in an area to give his maximum contribution to the team. I could agree with that because I thought Matheson had a pretty decent first game when that second pairing had a pretty not great game. Right. Like, yeah, the problem I, is they I, just I like see alternate nights on or alternate shifts on. They're never on the same page at the same time long enough to add value at the rate they need to for a second pair unit that gets pretty tough minutes. I think that we've always talked about the fact that they need to change the pairs, and I think there's no better evidence than last night that the pairs have to change. But... And if you listen to Capuano on the Goldstein podcast, which please never listen to that. Oh, my God. It's worse than listening to Goldstein in the intermission. Oh, um, calm down. Goldie's fine. He's a salesman. That's well, what he obviously, is. This, he's a salesman. This is what happened if you saw my Twitter argument about sending Do you want to listen to a podcast of a car salesman as been banal questions to somebody who's not going to, you know, who could offer more but is not. I, again, you have to, I, I don't come in saying you should discount it completely. I'm saying you have to come in knowing what you're getting. And, the, and there's a difference there. Anyway, but so Capuano I, basically was talking about the D pairings and the D usage. And he basically is saying two things. The two reasons they're not experimenting with the D pairs even though they said they did, is they wanted to get off to a hot start and they thought changing the D pairs at all, because they didn't change the D pairs at all last year, would work Would make that them. happen? Which, and well, right a, now with... And then the second thing is also that Yandel and Ekblad like playing together, which I could give two shits about. I don't care who likes playing with who. <laughs> yeah, like they're playing. <laughs> they like winning more. They're don't supposed they? to go play. How many times have really good players been terrible coaches? Like it's not their job to coach and put the lines together. Yeah, I think that for the for the sake of this argument, 
when your best defenseman has been Jacob McDonald for the first two games. And I thought Ekblad hasn't been bad, but Jacob McDonald's been probably the standout defenseman. It's a slight indictment of what's going on ahead of them. And that's no, and that's credit to Jacob McDonald. The Panthers now have a ninth defenseman. And these are all good the things. The way he's happen. playing, he's a sixth defenseman until six other D push him out. At this point right now, like, I don't know what happens when Uyghur and Kieselevich get healthy. You can't take McDonald out of the lineup. No, he's play- you can't. He's playing too well. And Petrovich has even played pretty decently. But this Petrovich is a has looked completely different from last year. This looks like the guy that his we thought he was fans to- talk about. The guy who makes a great first outlet pass. The guy who, you know, doesn't hesitate with the puck. Or, You know, I he's always going to kind of look slow or lackadaisical or sloth like you know because you know scott niedemeyer had the same thing like some people just look like they're not putting everything into not it. everybody's gonna look like eric carlson or, or, or Derek mckenzie like some players look like they're putting more into it than they are some players look like they're less and some people you know they are what they not are every player is phil kessel is what you're saying <laughs> yes uh but but the, like that pairing actually works we we've yeah. seen that like it's it's funny because I was because we like Keith Levich, we like that signing and we like Mackenzie Weger as a as a third pairing defenseman but the Panthers right now have a surplus of good players to use in that position and Jacob McDonald was one of those guys who had a good AHL season they took a flyer on him they thought he'd be one of the better defensemen in Springfield and he's now actually played well enough that he's sticking and that's fine you want players like that. That Absolutely. succeed in those situations. And it also, again, we, when we talk about it from asset perspectives, it means the Panthers have more defensemen that they could, in theory, trade if they wanted to. And that's not a bad thing because come later in the year, you know they're going to look for something to help out up front, probably. And having assets helps that. And I'm looking at his, his possession numbers according to Natural Stat Trick, which is the site I'm going to have to go to now because Hockey Stats, which was my first stat, uh, site that I went to last year, is no longer exists. Uh, Did anyone McDonald's, try Hockey DB yesterday for a couple hours? Because it was down, and I got oh, really worried. I was oh, like, who was hired Hockey first... Database? Oh, no. Because everybody got hired. We lost Rob Bowman to the Kings. It was very sad this summer. Uh, McDonald and Petrovich were both at, like, McDonald's course year was 8, and Petrovich's was nearly 11. I had, they had a pretty good I mean, night. Again, they're not playing against tough competition, but they had a pretty good night, and you watched them play. And the team looked a little bit more fluid when they were out there, even when it was top line third pairing. It it looked it looked good. And that's and again, I, I don't think it's a bad thing that right now Jacob McDonald has outplayed everybody in defense. And again, two games, so it's not like the Panthers have I think five it's not a bad thing the way Jacob McDonald has played. I think it's a bad thing that other defensemen have played so bad that it's the best performance on the back end. This is a, this is definitely a concern. But, now the other like, thing I'm concerned I think about is Uyghurs lost his job. Not, not saying like he's he's going to get cut or traded or whatever, but I think that well, right now, he's now lost his job. if Uyghur comes back, he's in the press box. He has to play his way back in. He was not very good towards the end of last year. He was starting to like teeter off, which you kind of expected, and then he came into training camp, and I thought his training camp in preseason was rough. And the way McDonald has played, the way Melchoria has played, the way Kisilvich and Petrovic, it's just you'll try to work him in when you can and give him a shot, but he has to earn it over other defensemen. And because... maybe if he goes down to Springfield, it could help him. Like, that's, like right, we could see yeah. that happening right now. And, and again, this is fine. You want competition for players. We've been now, asking for it for years. And we're getting it. Well, it's also the Henrik Borgstrom thing. And which... this is why you want a coach who's okay with, you know, 
experimenting with trying different pairs with doing this stuff because that's how you get the most mileage of minutes to everybody involved is being and able to have more rotational he's options. Not, he's not married to line combinations. Right. And it's I think that he, there's been more balance for the Panthers in terms of lines in the first two games than we saw last year where it was first two lines and the other two were off in space. But, you know, we'll see. Like, I want to see Malgan play with Huberto and uh, Trochak. We saw that last year, and it actually looked pretty good. And right. Malgan's had good two games. I like Dennis Malgan a lot. Yeah. And you he, he, he's he's one of those glue guys that you don't consider, like, how as important as he is. But he's look, it's like him and McCann. And I don't think Vitrano's been that bad either. You know, no, I, I think, think that, I think he's in the doghouse just with the numbers game. But I don't think he's... I don't think he's played that bad. badly. But, again, it's like, again, you have... 14 legitimate forwards that can play. There are yeah. some that are not going to play. And you also have a billion back-to-backs. You have so, you have 14 legitimate forwards you can play. Some are in the AHL. Some are in the NHL. And then and you, right have now you have three what, forwards you can't play who, can who are play. sandwiched in between. And you right now have, and you right now have what, nine, nine defensemen who can play? Something like that? Because well, we think- I would say that Yandel, Pissick, and at the moment Matheson can't play. Well, they're playing very badly, but when they play as well as we know they can play... Yandel yeah, and Pissick Schill wouldn't be on this team for me, with the way uh, others have played. It's just... This is obviously true, but again, we don't live in a world where this is real and feasible. So, can we can we say... Uh, the, the Pissick other thing... is... You can get rid of Pissick pretty easily. I mean, Pissick's well, somebody... Said, that's well, feasible. Hello, it's Yandel. Yandel, I'm okay with. You just maybe move him to the second pair, and yes. you can still play him with Barkov. I understand that. You want to get the most out of his performance. Barkov can cover for him defensively, especially if it's maybe Kisselvich and Yandel, second yes. pair. That could be cool. Let's try that. We'll see it. I think we will at some point. I, we don't know how healthy he's I would he's cheer there. that. You want to make me cheer? I'll cheer that. Uh, again, there's there's opportunity. They play they play Vancouver, whatever you're listening to this. It could be today, could be tomorrow. Uh, and I think it's tomorrow. Watch it. I don't think there's well, any games today. There is no the games today. Games... I'm talking about when are you? Li- when I'm talking about when no. people, when are they listening to this show? <laughs> there are no games tonight. Thanks, Batman. I have to watch the NLCS now. I'm actually interested in that. Uh, in terms of, over, like, there is positives. The fact that they've gotten 40 plus shots in the first two games. The first game that was a lot of power play. Uh, the second game, they had two power plays. Um, can we, I wouldn't say I don't. I didn't think like, I didn't like a lot of their shot selection. I didn't like that. I liked. I liked the possibility. I liked the roster that was on the ice. I uh, I liked the enthusiasm from the team. I liked the enthusiasm from some of the fans. That's what I. Liked. I that's what I'm. I, that's what I'm positive. That's what I'm happy about. Can we talk about specialty teams for a second? We haven't really talked about five forwards because uh, we haven't. What had were your thoughts on five forwards? Now, when I see that, I, I think back to the '90s Penguins, the team the Panthers beat in the playoffs in '96 to get to the Stanley Cup final. It was the last team that really used it. If you're the Panthers, and the, and the margins are so fine in the league where any little decision can either give you an advantage or knock you back, you want to try to take advantage of this. And the Panthers had the dilemma of well. Which of these great five forwards are you going to knock off of the top power play unit because you're going to go with the defenseman, obviously? And then they decided, well, okay, how about let's have Barkov play as the defenseman and the setup man, and let's get all the good forwards out there at once. Now, there are advantages to that. Barkov can quarterback a power play. 
He's obviously has the vision. He has the drive. But he's actually really good in front of the net, too. And when he's quarterbacking the power play as the defenseman, in air quotes, he can't do that. And when there is a defenseman on the power play, Barkov can get in front of the net and no, get into those no, 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 decent no, no, no. positions. And I think that that's something that you lose with that unit. Now, obviously, with this power play, with Trocek and Hoffman, you have two shoot-first players, and everybody else is pretty good in terms of passing. I think defensively, as you saw, as they've given up two shorthanded goals, there are issues, and I think teams are going to try to exploit that. But I like loading up on all the forwards because it, it, it builds on the strengths, and I think it can work. It just needs to be worked on a lot more. It's not anywhere near the finished article yet. When they brought it out, I was like, okay, this is cool. I like this idea because we saw last year when they tweaked the power play and it worked a lot better. But it took a while to get into gear, right? It's going to take a little bit of time. Now, I think they still have to have a power play in which they use the defenseman because when you're giving up shorthanded goals like that, especially in the third period against Tampa, it's a risk. Mm, and it's something that could be – That was enough thought. That – man, the Trocheck hesitated. He stood there flat-footed in Tampa. He didn't go at the guy with the puck in the corner. He didn't back up to ride coverage. He stood there. In that period, even with the defenseman on the ice, Trocek's on the ice in that spot making that decision. I would Barkov, think so, but Barkov maybe you played have... that Barkov played that two-on-one better than Keith Yandel, who, let's be honest, would be the D out there. This is true. He would have played been it, the Played it way better. Could he predict that Reimer was going to bite on that fake so much? And then, no, he couldn't. Would he predict that Huberto was going to back check the wrong way? Thanks, Huberto. No, he couldn't. Like the it was Huberto not going to be on that power play? Apparently, no. that's the de facto choice, which I don't understand. Let's get Mike Hoffman, who's done nothing for the power play, a hundred percent on power play one, no matter what. But Jonathan Huberto, they went back to power play one today. Huberto on power play two. It's Huberto's, that's the forward they kick off, which is fine. I'm okay with kicking off better forwards to make decisions that benefit the unit, but the unit isn't benefited by it. I think said. I think what they should do is run five forwards on the first unit, have Bukestad be with the guy in the net, because I don't want Barkov in front of the net getting his hand broken again, blocking a shot that he's trying to tip or whatever, or getting hacked or, or cross-checked in the back for a minute and a half standing in front of the net. That's such a waste of his skills. Get him the puck as much as possible. Quarterback does that. Put Bukestad in front of the net. He's better at it anyway. Or if you're going to use a defenseman, Ekblad, the guy who's one of the best goal scorers on defense in the league. Why isn't he the cannon guy from up top? I think it's, that there are ways that they can tweet. They, they could... It's, the problem isn't that they chose five forwards. I love that. That was the closest thing to experimenting they did. It's that they chose five forwards, they picked the five forwards, and then they just would not move off it. They didn't try new breakouts. They didn't try different um, rotations to get more movement out of it. They didn't try a different set of five forwards. They didn't even try to like bring in Ekblad or Yandel for like just a little bit like in a mid-shift to see how that would work. They didn't try anything. They try like a kernel of an idea, and then they just sit there. And they don't do anything because they're scared. They're coaching scared. And ask. And I understand. I'm with you. I don't want them to change the five power play unit because that's coaching scared so early in the season. That's being so overly cautious so early in the season. I that want them to make message. some tweaks as time goes on. I think that obviously you need to work on it more. But, yeah, don't change it. 
I mean, keep trying. Oh, don't it. abandon it outright. Like the no, like if, I don't think they're going to. And I don't think they're. Going I don't to. think they're going to either. But there's people who want them to do that, and you know, I want them to be trying everything because the thing is, nothing's working. They're o one and one. They have one and point. Let's be honest. They should have four points. They, they should, should have four points. They should have if won. If it wasn't both for goaltending, they'd probably have four points. I mean, you it, yes, maybe not against the Lightning, but they would have won that light last night if Belongo played. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so too. They had a good enough. I mean, here's here's where my concern but there's is. also other breakdowns. So it's there not are. just goaltending. No, it isn't. But goaltending was the biggest of them last yes. night. I mean, I mean, here's, I would say maybe the, both games. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think it was as bad in the the first game as it was in the second. But obviously. Uh, here's where I think my biggest concern comes in. And again, it's two games. They play the fewest games in the league. They're going to play the fewest games in the league, I think, in the month of October. Yes. My biggest concern is not that they've had their breakdowns. It's that they've had these periods, as we talked about at the start of the show, in which they decided, we're going to completely dominate you. And maybe it's just the top line, but they were able to roll four lines. And we're not talking, okay, they had a, a better period, clearly, than the other team, and they tilted the ice. It's complete, utter domination. Like, no Panthers team I've ever seen has ever had periods like this in two consecutive games where they just decided the other team's going to have nothing. And the first period against the Lightning, the Lightning had nothing. And the Lightning could be the best team in hockey. And Columbus is a playoff team from last year. And I was looking at some of the tweets I saw from some Columbus guys, and they were like, uh, hey, Blue Jackets, what are you doing during the second period when the Panthers just completely flipped the ice? And it was rolling four lines. Yes, it's mostly Barkov, Bukestad, and Dadunov right now because they have the most chemistry. But everybody was playing into it. And they that's what the Panthers in an ideal world would look like 70% of the time. And do I think they could get there? I think they could absolutely get there. But it's a matter now of can they find a way to get that consistency. This team last year until the end of the year wasn't really consistent, and that was a huge problem. The fact that they have this in their game now and the fact that they can get into a period and just turn the switch and that's it for the other team is really good. Obviously, some of that's personnel, but that's also maximizing what they do really well as a team. But now it's just a matter of chaining it together and doing more of it. And they're not there yet, but I would like to see what happens against Vancouver, for instance. Now, the, the Canucks have played decently in the first couple games, and Elias Pettersson's a lot of fun. I mean, I remember watching the first game and going, holy crap, that shot is insane. I know you're liking this because he's Swedish, but... Another Y hockey favorite. I know, I know. And they were talking about uh, 31 Thoughts, what team had them number one on their draft boards. Love to kill to hear that. It wasn't the Panthers because we know they don't like Swedes. But uh, here's the thing about that game. Vancouver is nowhere near as good of a team as Tampa and Columbus is. So how do the Panthers play against a team that is way below the level of the first two teams that they played, right? That's what I'm really curious about. Like, they never beat the Blue Jackets, and games against Tampa are always stupid, right? But the Panthers played the Lightning pretty much dead even in terms of all of the important things. But the Lightning often have these games where they don't play at their best because they decided they're going to take the night off. And they decided that they could flip the switch, and they didn't flip the switch. Now they're playing against the Canucks. And the Canucks in a couple of their games looked grossly bad. Like, they were really, really bad against Carolina. And Carolina's looked pretty good the first couple of games. They stifled the Lightning a couple nights ago, and that was because Anders Nielsen had a crazy good game. Supporting the LGBT community and doing that, good stuff, hockey. Uh, 
now what? How do the Panthers look against the Canucks? Like, how do they look against bad teams? Is my is my curiosity because the Flyers are not a bad team. The Capitals are obviously aren't a bad team. The Red Wings are, and then they play the Rangers who stink, the Islanders who stink, and the Devils who are a team the Panthers should be better than. How do they look against bad teams? Is my curiosity right now, right? Because we've already seen that they can go toe to toe with really good teams and stay into these hockey games, right? Because every team's going to have duds, but the Panthers proved that they could skate with anybody at this point. Now it's how do they, what happens against bad teams? Do they go out and do they dominate bad teams? I want to see if they can dominate the Canucks. I want to see if they can put the Canucks to the sword early and they can chain together more of that first period against the Lightning, second period against Columbus, where they just totally dominated. I want to see if they can do that. I think they can, and I think that they're going to be more likely to have their way against the Canucks because, well, they're bad, even in spite of how they looked to start the season. Last year they looked pretty good to start the season and fell off a cliff. How is it going to go on this game tonight? I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out, and I want to see how they play against bad teams because we haven't seen it yet. But, I mean, there are obviously negatives, but every team's had negatives thus far to start the year. The positives are it shows you how good this team could be. It's tantalizing how good this team could be. Like, everybody looks at the Leafs and seeing how they're scoring a billion goals and how they can't defend at this point. And I'm like, well, the Panthers are kind of, they've played two games, but they've kind of looked the same way. They've had these tantalizing moments of, holy crap. And then they've had these moments of, Jesus, what are you doing? And that's every team, I think, in the league at this point. But it's a matter of how many holy crap moments can the Panthers put together. Because we know how good this team could be. We've already seen it. We have the evidence in front of us. They're, they've played six periods of hockey. I don't count overtime. And two of them were complete total domination. That's a third of their season. Imagine if it's 50% of their season where they look like that. They're not worrying about making the playoffs. They're worrying about can they beat Toronto, Tampa, or Boston. That's what I'm really interested to see if they can put more of that together. And the shame is we know they can do it. It's just a matter of whether they have the capability of doing it, whether it's on the players or the coaches or what have you. I agree. I think that they just need to find the efficiencies or the inefficiencies to get that extra third. Because, you know, it's a third of the season is games that they're going to win and games they're going to lose. Can't control. And then a third of the season are going to be puck bounce games like yeah. we saw with the Lightning and the Blue Jackets and which were puck bounce. And then the next games. third is is what do you do with that last third? What do you do with that middle? And and what are you willing to do to get there? Are you willing to make sure the team comes out on fire against Vancouver, pops in 3 or 4 and and that's you know, the end of in that. the third period you can start swapping some D pairs, swapping some four lines and seeing how it works. Or, you know, can you put can you experiment the whole game and still win can you put these i i mean you just gotta start making more of what you have because if there's anything it's florida's really good at it's wasting opportunity it's wasting time uh and it's 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 wasting value so here's the thing that i the best way to get more out of it I completely agree with you, and that's the thing. Like, they haven't played a poor game. They've had poor moments in the first two games, but they haven't played a bad game, you know? And I would say last year to start the season, I think they had two points, and this year they have one. So it's not all that different, and that was a home-and-home against the Lightning. Uh, they've had their poor moments, but they've not played badly. Like, they've had moments where you're like, what are you doing? But then they've had the holy crap moments too, right? You know, like, 
if the, we've reached a point where Troy Brower looks like a reasonable NHLer at this point in his career, I don't think that's as much him as much as it is the Panthers looking pretty decent. And we've already seen players like Jacob McDonald, Lamico, who I've been calling Lamico for all this time, and I'm sorry about that. I usually a stickler on pronunciations. And I didn't, I didn't get that right, but he's looked good. You've already seen players step up, and you know you have a top line that can run with anybody in the league. Right now, I mean, other people would take other top lines because we watch the Panthers more than any other team. Like, Bukestad, Barkoff, and Dadanoff is one of the best lines in hockey. Right now, I would say it's one of the top five lines in hockey. And it's just so good when it's at its game. And we saw that. It's just a matter of getting everybody else on that level. And there's there's a lot to build on. There's a lot to improve. But I think the good news is, is that they've only played two games. And they don't play the meat of their schedule until really November. And the other thing I want to see, I want to see Michael Hutchinson play. I would like to see him play against the Canucks because you can afford to take risks against a team that's not very good. He won't play unless Reimer stinks it up again, which is always possible. But I want to see how Hutchinson plays because when he played in the preseason, he looked pretty solid. He looked okay. He's got as much of a chance as Reimer. This is absolutely correct. As far as I'm concerned. Okay. the the thing with Reimer and I won't I I was back and forth on Twitter today about it so you can go read there if you want but is you can look at his stats you can see that oh you know in some runs he's done well he has a good amount of athleticism he's a nice guy and everything he should be capable to string along some wins but the problem is the way he plays he's an adventure in net he creates havoc chaos he's he's bad on rebound control he doesn't stop plays and cover pucks as much uh and create that you know relieve tension relieve stress in the d zone he makes his d work a lot harder because he can't handle the puck well and when he does handle the puck it, it it sometimes makes it even worse um even just as far as like pucks rolling for D instead of just flat if the D just went and got it themselves. Um, little things like that. And then, you know, you can look at all of last year and, and pretty much all of Reimer's time with Florida and with other teams, the teams don't play well in front of him. Whether it's they don't trust him or the way he plays just makes them play a different and worse style of hockey, it just doesn't work out. This he is something that you mentioned. Confidence. This is something that we mentioned. It's not even that he does. He he is more of an adventure. And when the Panthers play with Luongo, they just look better because they think they could say, "Okay, we could take risks because we know Lou might make a great save at the other end." Right. That's and just how your it team's is. always going to play better with your starter, and we get that. But it's it's that you don't want the team to completely change the way they play, completely crumble when the backup goes in net, especially if this backup is a guy who's backing up the 40-year-old Luongo who's already hurt, and the plan Thankfully was for Luongo to play 50-some as... games. Was Thank... that was, was, Yeah, I said it? 50. 50. Yeah, like, hilarious. I, I called bullshit on that right away. Like, come on, it's not happening. And, I think and... it's still somewhat realistic, but no, not... I mean, come on. Like, he got hurt twice in the first game. And it weren't even like his fault. There's people falling on him. There, yeah, like, the, he's the, the just old, falling and he's on just gonna is, keep oh. getting hurt all, every couple games. And sometimes he can play through, and sometimes he can't. But you can't let Reimer be the guy. He's just not. He's barely. He can play 20 games in the NHL in a year, and like still, I'm unsure about it. But hey, the stats say it's okay. Whatever, that's fine. 
But... Did you also hear last night in the broadcast they were talking about um, – this made me laugh a little bit, and I hate saying this, but it did. They were talking in the third period. I think it was – I think Troy Brown just kicked a puck out of the zone, and they were talking about they have analytics on how many people win one-on-one battles like all on the boards. I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. Sounds interesting enough. I'd like to see yeah. the data on that, but – Hey, if they if they have it, but I'd be interested in all of that. I mean, I'd be interested in seeing it too. Yeah, I mean, because especially because their system is so predicated on winning board battles and getting the puck out to the forward at the blue line up the boards. So, I mean, I'm interested in seeing some of that. But the the the, the point I think we're both making is there's positives, there's negatives. Every team has that, and if they can build on their positives, we already know how good this team. The can positives be. are the positives we knew about before the season. So there's Minus no surprise. Jacob McDonald. Minus and and Lamico, I guess, in some ways, because he played really I'll well. Still, in I'll still say I knew about that before the season. I was calling for him to be up last year. Of course, you would say that, but I mean, I did not expect Lamico to be the fourth line center at some point. And now the ideal version of the Panthers is going to have him in the twelfth that plays. Obviously, whether he's a winger, whether think, he's right now, he's I mean, pretty decent fourth it, line center. He's making it hard, and you can tell he's the type of guy that Bob Bugner will, you know, make allowances for. Like this isn't. Owen Tippett, who, you know, has to work so much harder than a guy who's going to block shots, make big hits on defenders going back to get the puck, change early on a shift, be okay with not playing for five minutes, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like, he's just more, this is a guy that Bob Booner is going to be more willing to play. So I guess that's maybe why I'm not surprised, because he fits more of that bottom six Bob Bugner role. But he's better at it. Yeah, but he's like actually efficient at it. He does it well, and he has enough hands. He has an and like let's be honest, that smile, like with him and his missing teeth and how goofy he is, like some that, that's the best player. part of some of the hockey games is just if he like when he was on the ice when when Brower scored and seeing that smile, oh, man. The, also, did you see Jacob McDonald's out. reaction when he scored? He's like, "Holy crap, did that just happen?" <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> it was really funny. I looked at it. Watching the highlight, like, he he could not believe that just happened. Because that the was Panthers, like what, the second Panthers, shift. Panthers players are really good at scoring in their first game, or like doing something really good, like when they get called up. Uh, and then the Flyers have a habit; they're really good at giving up someone's first NHL goal. That's what the yes, <laughs> uh, Brady Kachuk. Yes, for instance. Oh, Brady man. Kachuk. For instance. Someone just okay. needs to pop him. Where's Max Domi when you need him? Okay, can we talk about a couple of things that we should mention firstly uh, before we get to Vegas isn't good. Vegas is regressing to the mean. Yes, that was not a surprise. Um, can can we also say about the Leafs? I was watching Sports Center last night with Scott Van Pelt, he a Terp, and they were talking about the Leafs being the Warriors of hockey. Can we not do this right now, please? Can we not talk about them being the Warriors of hockey? Have you noticed the Warriors also play defense at times? Which they didn't, which the Leafs have not yet done. Well, the Leafs, I mean, the Warriors win playoff series. I mean, that would yeah, be yeah, like saying, well, the that. Panthers are like the, you know. Minnesota Timberwolves, minus Jimmy Butler. Actually, that would be more the Blue Jackets. Because <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, it's just. Not, it, it's not, the same thing with, with everybody saying, oh my god, McDavid's the fastest man on the earth when he, like, blows past a pivoting Chara. And scores a goal. Like, come on. Like, dude had, like, a head burst of speed, was at top gear. Chara's pivoting, like, twice, is 40, and is one of the slowest people in the entire effing league. 
Like, yeah, let's like, let's not like, let's not go for that. It's it's people like it's you know everything gets magnetized and you know Especially Matthews when is really good. But I remember Matthews blowing up and scoring four goals in his first game, and like every year he starts the year on fire, and you know goal scorers score in bunches. And right now they're playing a lot. Like they're playing every other night. So when you're hot, you get to stay hot. And like, you know, that's good for him. He's playing with freaking John Tavares. They're pumped. They the have this play. newfound chemistry. Like, the Panthers right now in Christ. terms of puck possession through two games are a tenth in the league. Do you know who's third in the league right now? Just to give you an idea how puck possession stats be nothing at this early point in the season. Do you know who's Vancouver third? Canucks or the Coyotes? No. Arizona's fifth. Vegas is fourth with uh, two points from five games. You know who's third? Buffalo. Your New Jersey Devils. That's huh. funny. That's funny. Um, Rasmus Dahlin is, like, better than six Ekblads combined. Uh, oh, he's sick. I, that's not a surprise. Um, this is just, like... I know Pedersen is like an, is the easier pick for Calder and everything. Oh, uh, you know who I picked for Calder this year? Dolan, because I mean Rasmus. Oh, Lee, I didn't. Andre Svechnikov. I mean, yeah, he's really good and everything, but this guy really good would the be the number one defender on at least half the NHL teams, and this at eighteen. While being, and that's not even including the offense. That's literally just with him putting up zero points all year. He'd be one of, the, he'd be a first pair defender on most teams. We all knew he was great, and I'm happy Buffalo finally has that player on the back end. They deserve I know, it. I know, I should, to, I just was talking about people tooting their own horn and magnetizing things, but, you know, this is, this isn't just somebody being really fast or, Something this this guy has a complete tool set, and it's un it's not natural for a defenseman at eighteen to have this type of tool set in the first couple games playing in, in North America. So that, that's no, it's it's he's he's really good. Um, yeah, Pedersen, I can't wait to watch him play for an actual sixty minutes or whenever he he gets on because he looked really good the first couple of games. And Vancouver, some of them started to bring up the Gretzky name. Which is a mistake. Shouldn't do that. Uh, so that's so that's interesting. Um, can we talk about the Borgstrom thing? Because that was a while ago, and I had arguments about it on Twitter, and how I was not really pleased that he was sent down. And I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's in the past. We could actually talk about hockey, which we've done. Uh, it was still a bad decision, and the reasoning for it wasn't very good. And it was very polarizing amongst the Panthers fans on Twitter that I talked to or that I saw. There were some not great opinions on that. I mean, I hope that Borgstrom eventually, he's going to play in the NHL this year, and at some point, you think ideally, not saying anything bad about Dennis Mulligan, but ideally, wouldn't you want Huberto and Trocek to be playing with him? I think the answer to that is yes. And I don't know whether he gets that necessarily playing at Springfield. I have not checked a lot of what's been going on with the Thunderbirds. I know they lost their first game in overtime. You pay more attention to that than I do. They play today uh, against the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, which is a very good team. Uh, yes. So it's going to be a big challenge. So I'm not looking for a W today. I'm literally just looking to see the lines, who's in the lineup, who's playing where. How did it look in the first game? Uh, Kinnear's back on his bullshit. I mean... Ah, uh, of course. Obviously, they had, like, you know... Was Harry Zolderchuk on the first line? Yes. 
Oh, damn it. I said that I said that jest and then it actually happened in real life. It was life. Harry Zollner truck, Captain Paul Thompson, and Dryden Hunt for the first line. And, uh, you know, like the D pairs, like, it's just like every line has to have an anchor and a prospect. Every pairing has to have an anchor and a prospect. That's just how Kinnear coaches. It, it, like, it's terrible. And they just, it's... It's the worst of Gallant, it's the worst of Rowe, and it's the worst of Bugner, all in one coach. That's Greg Kinnear. Jordy Kinnear. <laughs> no, he's Greg, Greg Kinnear. Kinnear. I would. I want to talk about Greg Kinnear more than I want to talk about Gordy, <laughs> Gordy, Jordy, Bordy. Oh, no. Oh, Remember, no. He, was con- he was considered a heavy internal favorite for the fucking head coaching job in Florida after his first ever head coaching season. Jesus, this franchise. But, you know, uh, like, yeah. the thing is, Borgstrom had the flu the first game. Now, I don't know if he did or didn't or whatever, but I wasn't upset that Borgstrom didn't play. I wasn't upset Borgstrom got sent down. I was more upset that Haley and McKenzie were on the lineup. I was more upset that Brower was on the lineup, in the lineup, to be honest with you. Well, the good news is, is that it's Brower Ken, hasn't been nearly as bad. Borgstrom but it was needs to be the- first line, and he needs to have two wingers who are legit NHL prod. Uh, prospects. So, what would the line be for you in uh, in in Springfield that you'd like to see Borgstrom play? Ideally, they're, they're, uh, they have so many vets and everything. I have to see what's even realistic. Because the thing is, you know, there's AHL rules. You have to play a certain amount of so and so, and you know, it's not super easy to make it all work, but you can make it work. Um, Borgstrom. Uh, let's see. I'll just list the people who can't play with Borgstrom. Blaine ah, Byring, Jace Howerluck, Harry Zollnerchuk, Joe Lawley, Paul Thompson, Jake Horton, Adam Gilmore, Bobby Farnham, Tony Turgeon. That's a lot. That's a lot of so, names. So, like, Patrick Bikoff can play with him. Sebastian hey. Repo can play with him. Dryden Hunt can play with him. Anthony Greco can play with him. Jonathan Ang can play with him. That's it. Those are, those are the... I mean, because he's... He has to be the first line player. How many forwards can play on the first line? Let's be honest. This is what we. It should this is be what four. To, this is it one should of the be four why. or five guys that they can choose from to play on the first line on the wings, and those are your guys right there. Yes, this is what we talked about when I said is going down really good because the Thunderbirds kind of stink. They do. Like, stink. I don't know how many people. I don't know how many people. They're have better actually. this year. They're a lot better, but like they lost their. They lost Curtis Valk. And who else did they lose? They lost Grenier. the two biggest point getters from last year. Yeah, they, I, I wrote that in uh, at the uh, the Rat Trick, where you could see some of my Panthers musings, where I wrote about how the Borgstrom decision was a terrible one, and it was along the lines of, well, firstly, the, the Thunderbirds aren't very good, and it's not like this is a, a prospect factory like the Marlies. Like, if the Panthers ran an organization like the uh, the Leafs run the Marlies. This is not because we know somebody who runs the Marlies. It's just because they won the Calder Cup and they're really good. Yeah, I mean, you can uh, put the Syracuse Crunch in there, too. We don't the know Crunch are in there. I mean, Milwaukee, Hershey. to a lesser extent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lehigh Valley, too, with yeah. what, what's going on with Hextall and the way in he the wants to. the last, like, five years, yeah. I mean, Like, this is the thing. Like, we're not talking about the a The old age. Rochester Americans used to have a... Not when the Panthers like, ran the Americans. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, I think when... 
they had like a five eight year stretch where they had you know a lot of good guys. A lot so of... this is this is the this is the thing. You hope he's playing the minutes that he needs to play and getting those quality minutes. I can't definitely say that he's going to. Can Ian McCoshin not play with Matt Man Green? Like, uh, or Man Matt... Jean or whatever. I mean, Wait, didn't he? He's listed as a forward on Wikipedia. Well. He plays both. I mean, that's the oh. problem with the Springfield. They have defensemen who play forward and forwards who play deep. Like, it's so fucking stupid. They're not, oh. like, it's not like that one guy, uh, that the Capitals took in the draft, like, three years ago that was, like, really good and played forward and D and would do it, you know, at a level where it's like, oh, he could play forward or D in the NHL one day. These are guys who, like, moved from forward to D in the NCAA because they weren't good enough to get games at the division one level. So they had to, so they became scratches and practice players who had to just fill in the empty spots on the team and learn the new position. And then, you know, they're bigs or they fight or they do something. So they get a pro contract and then cheap AHL teams who need to just fill spots, sign them after those, those spots get taken, and they end up on Springfield for three years, and that's what happens. So, who's going to be the All Star when Springfield hosts the All Star game in January for the uh, for the Thunderbirds? I, I honestly think that is a big reason why Borgstrom's down there because they're hosting the All Star game, and they're going to have no fucking so you representative. Think, I think so Borgstrom's going to be down there more than he's going to play in the NHL. Yes, because I because wish it of was the All Star game, 10, 15 games. No, no, no. I just think that that's what this wasn't about. A quick. Turnaround. This wasn't about letting him get kick-started in the NHL for 10 or 12 games, which I, again, no problem with. Let him get started down there, call him up, and when he's... He's the first call-up when something goes wrong, obviously. Yeah, that's... Like, I'm fine with that and everything, but, like, you know, they... This is... I think this is going to be a full-year thing for them, and or at least that's what I'm taking. I'm reading between the lines of what they're saying, and it doesn't sound like he's coming up... Like this is like a ten fifteen games, and then we're we're planning on already calling him back up. This is not what it sounds like whatsoever. This is he's down on the AHL team, and it's up to him to change our minds. Blah blah blah. And we're which not is, planning is, on it for the rest of the year. It's that's what I was saying. Like this is a this is when I talked about decisions and how every decision matters in the NHL because the margins are so tight between teams right now. Decisions like that cost you. And I don't care whether he's developing or not. Is he one of the Panthers' 12 best forwards right now? The answer is still yes. So that that's where the decision-making process comes in. And the Panthers have screwed it up millions of times. And that was the same thing with Borgstrom. And, again, I think he's going to come up at some point. Logic dictates that he will. But I hope it is like he could get kick-started and he forces the Panthers to call him up. But who knows whether that's possible because in Springfield he could be playing with Harry Frick and Zolnerchuk, which would be terrible, and that seems like inevitable that he's going to. That's is unfortunately, life. Well, yeah, I mean, the way I'm thinking is there's going to be a prospect first line. I mean, this is ideally how I'm hoping it's run because I just know it's going to be this way. A prospect first line, so like Borgstrom... Ang and Repo or something like that. Yeah, or Bikov and Hunt or, you know, whatever. And then a vet first line. Thompson, Zolnerchuk, and, you know, like Jake Horton or something. Like just an AHL career grinder line. And they're going to play a bunch of minutes and, and do a bunch of, you know, captain-y defensive stuff. And then you'll have a 
a prospect third line that gets soft offensive minutes. Um, you know, featuring everybody else. Ang, centered by Jonathan Ang, and you, you get somebody else. And then you'll have your Howard Luck and your your leftovers, the guys who on on your fourth line. Hopefully Farnham. Hopefully Farnham. But I mean, yes. like, also, I think it's time that it's officially Jace Howerluck is no longer a Florida Panthers prospect. He's just not. I, 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 it, it's not his fault. I just think that between the injuries, transitioning out of the WHL, being sent to the ECHL, the bad development in Springfield, and the, the Panthers having a a lot of good drafts and targeting guys in his age range in the later rounds and then plugging them straight into the NHL like Mammon uh, and, and Repo coming over and taking his spot pretty I mean it just spells the end of it and not every prospect turns out and, it and that's stinks. fine you know that's fine he can still like I think he can still have value in the AHL and what you want to do is turn him into a really good AHL vet that's better than Paul Thompson, so you don't have to go get these guys. I mean, like, there's yes. still a value in developing him and investing in his career and making sure he's happy as a person and he's doing well and rooting for him. I mean, like, yes. he's still a, he could still be an NHL call-up or he could still be a part of a trade. Or better than still, Michael Haley. You know, 100% right there, buddy. And he'll fight <laughs> just as much to make the team. He'll want to be a part of the team just as much as Michael Haley. He's the guy that made Dale Talon draft him because he wanted to be a Florida Panther. How much do you hear that from hockey players? This guy Zero. would become a Michael Haley if you wanted him to, but he'd be way better at hockey. He would be way better at hockey. This is correct. Also, uh, we need to spend time talking about Gritty. We have to talk did, about Gritty. We already did. Did we? Was that bit recorded? Oh, yeah, buddy. Oh, geez. See, now we can we can end it full circle. We don't ah. know whether it was recorded or not. Is I, I don't end? know. Normally Does when the, I record Is this just going to stop in the middle of a sentence? Oh, <laughs> I hate your Sopranos reference right there. Uh, and, um, I, I, I want to say uh, on Gritty, because we're both, we're both Philadelphia guys. Both and the Panthers gritty. are playing the Flyers. Uh well, we, well, we're not going to the game this coming week because we, we can't make that work scheduling, but maybe in November we will. Uh, I, I've never seen anything like this with a mascot. It's, it's freaking gritty, man. Isn't it funny? He's the best. I mean, I would just, he's killing the memes. I mean, yes. the stock photos that he's hiding behind, like all that stuff. Um, his interaction with fans is great. He's body checking people on ice. He's, you know, teasing people, um, but he's also showing some soft sides, which is nice. Um, he's like the Philly you know, fanatic, just, only far uh, less annoying. So, you know, I'm, it's the best thing going in Philadelphia Flyers hockey right now. I mean, JVR's oh. out five weeks. Oh, that's so Andy McDonald's shame. playing too much. Patrick and got hurt. No one Patrick got hurt. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Uh, Travis Konechny's getting kicked by the terrible coach. Oh, uh, see, it's not just the Panthers, everybody. As you well, see, maybe I that mean, means the Panthers will win on Tuesday. I mean, there's a commonality between both coaches. They were plucked and put into a coaching spot probably before they were 100 percent ready because they were the the owners liked their character, um, and they're both really stubborn and refuse to make changes that are obviously better for the team. So there's a lot of commonality well, there. There is. There is. But uh, at least Ron Hextall has Carter Hart coming. 
that is the cure-all. And good goalies cure everything. And if, you know, if Dale Talon had Carter Hart instead of Montenbeau in the AHL, uh, guess what I would be doing? I would be spending this podcast for the last hour berating the Flyers probably instead because they wouldn't have an answer to their biggest need. Well, they also well they also kind of claimed Calvin Pickard. So, yeah, I mean the jury's out on him. There's a lot of people who, well, I really well, respect. Well, here's the thing. Who, who here's the thing. Really like I feel I feel a little a bit people dicey. Who really like him. I feel a little bit dicey saying that you know like could the Panthers have gotten better play from Calvin Pickard or Curtis McElhaney who are available on waivers or Michael Hutchinson in this case and uh, then Reimer and the answer is unfortunately yes. Yes. So that's yeah. the uh, my that's my slight concern in that area, but. Eh, it's first couple of games. It's not I, that bad. I think Calvin Picard is equal to Hutchinson, so that's why I wouldn't have made the grab. I just would have gotten Hutchinson in the net earlier. But Well, we'll see know, if he plays. But as I said, we, 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 we hope he does play. Uh, but hey, you know what? It's The 25th anniversary logo looks a little bit better on ice when it's not, you know, <laughs> well, eh, you know. Um. I I, 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 I really love. think I really think they should have a third jersey. I do too. Because look I at mean, all the great third jerseys we have. Well, then Pittsburgh's. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then the, and then the Penguins. The Hurricanes' third jersey is also not very good. But uh, maybe the Jets' third. I'll take the Hurricanes' jer- jerseys. I like that the C's on the other side. I always like that. But I'm a I'm a Red Wings fan, so. Uh, you well, in that case you are. Okay, uh, let's let's say this. It's not that bad yet, but there are more games coming up, so I'm excited to keep on seeing what we what could be next. Uh, if this team plays as well as it could and things go as well as it could, good things could be coming. I'm excited. Again, yay team! Yay us! You looked better than Maryland football did last if... weekend. Congratulations. That's not saying much at all. Actually.